Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. The Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts is proudly sponsored by the Global Wellness HQ community. It's an online membership group where we meet, we share ideas, we share insights, and we all work together and help one another discover our own personal wellness journeys. If you'd like to join us, you can easily click the link below or scan the QR code, and we love hearing your stories, so we hope to see you in the community. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited. Today's episode, we are interviewing Katie McConnell Olson. Katie, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. So, Katie, the, the first question is probably the easiest and the hardest all at once. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and who you work with and what you do for your clients. Awesome. Okay. So, I am the founder and CEO of GrowthWise Search Partners. So I guess you could say I am an entrepreneur, um, a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. Um, Background is actually in accounting, um, but with a little bit of a hopscotch in my career, uh, found my way into recruiting and human capital to kind of marry up um, the business of business, uh, which is mostly fueled by people, right? All businesses for the most part need uh, human capital to run. So what GrowthWise Search Partners does is that we help fuel business growth through human capital. And that looks like hiring from strategy um, through execution. You know, we find people that help companies grow and we help fine tune hiring strategy and kind of all the little bits and pieces in between around hiring process, which I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot we can discuss and you know, the, the general theme is wellness. Um, I think there's a lot we can look at, you know, from an entrepreneur's point of view, having the right team around you is going to create a lot of financial wellness, but it's also going to help with your relationships, your physical, um, but also from somebody being an employee, making sure they're on the right team is huge. So let, let's start with the, the, getting to know each other questions, but what are you most passionate about in your life? And and I want to hear more about you as a serial entrepreneur, but what are you passionate about in life? Yes. So I'll start with the business side of things. I love helping businesses grow. So that's why I get up every day. Um, I have an awesome team of recruiters that really love helping match people with jobs. My passion tends to be more on the corporate side of the house, which is in helping businesses grow it's really, really rewarding to watch a business go from 2 million to 10 million because we've hired, you know, all of their team members. We've hired them that number two person to take things off the CEO's plate from, you know, creating that role through getting that email six months later. Hey, this has completely changed my life to your point. 
um, I'm working less, I have more free time, I'm able to focus more on, you know, working on the business, not in the business, this changed the trajectory of my business. And we get to be a part of that, which is really, really amazing. Personally, um, I'm really into fitness. So I love um, weight training and uh, I'm a boxer. So I like to box. It helps. Um, I highly recommend for all entrepreneurs, you should punch things. Um, it's great things, for not people just for the yes. record. She said things. things. <laughs> yeah. Things, not people. I've, uh, I have done a little bit of boxing with other people, but I prefer to just punch bags. Um, <laughs> and, um, I'm also really into wine. So I'm a, a little bit of a wine snob, if you will. Um, I've traveled to several different countries to study wine and learn about wine. I actually just got back from Champagne and Bordeaux in France. Um, we went at the end of November. So that was my that's my latest love is all the French wines. I went, you know, had the affair with the Italian wines. And of course I'm in California. So we love our California Cabernet. <laughs> um, I have to ask you're in California. Have you seen the movie bottle shock? Oh, of course. And I've been to Chateau Montalina, um, where the wine was actually produced the chart, the famous Chardonnay that beat out the, the European wine. Love it. We we are Alan Rickman fans in this house, so we we love <laughs> Bottle Shock. Um, yeah, at the winery, they actually have the, a big bottle of their Chateau Montalina Chardonnay that's signed by all the actors, because I think some of the movie was actually filmed there. Wow. I, I would imagine so. So total tangent, but... Um, I, <laughs> I, I could talk about wine all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, are you... Whereabouts in California are you located? So if, you, if you're not familiar with California, I'll call it Sacramento area. Um, our office is actually in a suburb called Rockland, which is about an hour outside of downtown Sacramento proper. Uh, however, we serve clients all over the U.S. So some of our biggest clients that we service are in the Texas market. So Austin, Houston, um, we do quite a bit of work out there. We service some folks on the East Coast. Um, we've done quite a bit of work in Denver. So with this new world we live in uh we can do work from anywhere i love it that's where i was going to get to and uh and i i'm guessing being in sacramento area you're not that far from uh, santa rosa so i think there's you know some good wine country nearby but um i, I have a, actually an accountant who her entire practice is built on wineries she said you might as well do what you love and, and work with people you love so um, she often gets paid in wine and, you know, obviously she earns her fees. So um, love it. Now let's talk about business advice. Cause one of the things I like to ask people, especially somebody who admits to being a serial entrepreneur, um, I'm going to guess that you've had a lot of advice in your life. What is the one thing that has carried you through or helped you something that, you know, what's the best business advice you've received and how would you say it's impacted you and who you are today? The best piece. I think this is a tricky one because there's so much. Um, and by the way, I love that. Oh, that you admit that you're a serial entrepreneur. Like we have to, Oh, I admit it. Like it's, you know, it is. An <laughs> we're affliction. all in, in therapy, right? <laughs> right. Or so we're trying to be, um, <laughs> you know, I think something that, um, transcends boxing and fitness is one of my favorite phrases, which is if you want things other people don't have, you have to be willing to do things other people won't do. 
And, you know, that means doing the hard thing. It's one of my company's personal core values that we have hanging on the wall here too, which is we do hard things uh, and, you know, and work hard work through it, which is to say, sometimes it's not easy. Oftentimes it's not easy and that, you know, we got to put in the work. And I think that transcends hiring also that hiring is everyone's favorite thing to complain about, right? It's a tough market. COVID popcorned a lot of things and just sort of wrung a lot of stuff out um, in fascinating ways. Um, and, and that all said, you know, are you applying hiring strategy? If you're doing what everybody's doing, you're not going to have what everybody doesn't, which is candidates banging down your door asking to work for you, which is really everyone's fantasy of what, what we all want, right? Is people lining up so you can have your pick. Well, if you want that, you have to be willing to do things other people won't do. Um, same thing with becoming excellent at whatever you do. I love both of those. And and since you brought up boxing, I'm going to share my favorite business advice from Mike Tyson. You know, he he's famously quoted and there's more to this quote, but everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, I think that's what COVID taught us is that we need to be flexible. And, and uh, I, I like how you described the popcorning effect, because that is what happened. It's like things are bubbling up all over the place. Yeah. And I think nobody gave me this advice. Unfortunately, I think it's one of those school of earth or school of hard knocks things that happens. Um, but resiliency is probably one of the, you know, I joke around that my spirit animal is the bop clown, you know, that plastic toy that you punch when you're a kid with the sand in the bottom and it just keeps popping back up and up and up. Um, and really, you know, so many people give up because you get punched and knock down so many times with key employees that quit or you lose a contract or, you know, a, hypothetically a pandemic comes and, you know, wipes out a bunch of your revenue and blows the side out of your business, um, which we saw happen for so many companies, mine included, you know, in March of 2020 was not a fun, not a fun month for most of us, um, you know, and the power of resiliency to say, okay, I'm going to just keep popping back up and doing it again and again and again. I love that. And I think resiliency is is one of those underrated skills. And, you know, I, I have a lot of these conversations with successful entrepreneurs. And, you know, it is the, the hard things that nobody else is willing to do, you know, get back in the ring. Um, you know, I, I, I had a conversation earlier today, and, and it's funny that you bring up boxing, because they were describing the entrepreneurial journey as being rocky. You know, you, you you get in the ring, you get knocked down, you got to go, you know, have your training montage, do all those hard things. And all the training in the world doesn't matter if you don't get back in the ring. Yeah, very true. So yeah. I, I, I make fun of us serial entrepreneurs because I think a lot of the world looks at us and says, well, you know, what, what causes that? But I, I think it's that spirit where you get up and you want to explore something new. So I love that. Now, how through COVID, you, you know, you're based in, in California and I know some of the dots I can connect them myself, but how does one go from being a recruiter in California to having a focus in Texas and specifically Austin? Yeah. So interesting. I mean, all of our business for the most part is referral business. So my short answer is we do good work and people are very mobile, right? Um, there are a lot of people that have exited California and relocated into Tennessee, Texas, 
Um, we saw a lot of that happen when people said, hey, I can work from anywhere. Um, and so some of that is connections and relationships that have sort of spiderwebbed into other places. Uh, the, the other part of that is um, one of my very first employees actually went um, to take care of her family-owned business. She became one of our clients. We've helped them grow quite a bit and staffed out pretty much every employee that they have um, in the company now and watched her grow. And she actually is located out there too. So, um, you know, and then everyone has a CPA, everybody has a banker, everyone has a, um, you know, a team, right? Or you should, if you don't, you know, call Jeff, he'll hook you up with somebody. Um, and so those people, when you do good work, know other good people and then end up referring us other people. I, I love it. And and by the way, the reason I do these interviews is I like to hear people's theories and and how they succeed and you naturally whether you use the words you rely on strategic relationships you know you you mentioned having that team um i would add for your benefit um, family offices make a great connection for um, especially people who do executive search now if you don't mind i'm gonna kind of narrow it down because i know there there's generally those recruiters who help the employee find their next job and then there's the people who help the employer find their next employee um, which it sounds to me like you focus on the employer side am i correct yes and so okay i'm going to pull out my soapbox here because we are not those recruiters and i definitely think there's a lot of stink on the industry because there's just a lot of schmucks out there that don't apply strategy first approach and the pricing model is kind of gross, right? Yeah. Um, and so we don't do any of that. So we are a strategy for shop. Uh, we are a consultancy firm, not a traditional headhunter, and we don't have a gross pricing model. So um, let me kind of take a step back. I, I love that you address the stink on the industry. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's gross, right? I don't want to be a schmuck. I'm not a schmuck. Tell your friends. Um, so most recruiters charge a percentage of salary, right? So Jeff, you call me, you need a, I'm just going to make this up, executive assistant. I say, okay, great. Send me your job description. I go find you a bunch of resumes. I send them to you, essentially sell them to you. If you hire one, I charge you 30% of their salary. Yeah. So that means that if that candidate, let's say your budget is $100,000. And at the end of the day, we've got to come in at 120 in order to secure this candidate. Well, you now have to pay me 30% of 120,000 instead of 100,000 for doing the same damn job just because we had to negotiate more for the candidate. That is gross. It's not in the best interest of your business. It's not in the best interest of anybody except for the recruiter. We don't do it that way. So our pricing model completely says we are disrupting the industry. We're not going to do it that way. We're going to price on value and delivery, not on doing the same exact job just tied to salary. So we actually price on time and materials plus an upfront fee that is set before we ever even start the search. So that means if we have to negotiate, if you have to negotiate more in order to secure somebody, you pay us the same fee for delivering that value plus a fee for our time. And if we sit in on the interview, help you with an interview guide, give you templates, we're adding value and you're paying for that. If we're not doing that for you, you don't pay for that. So it tends to be more cost effective. It's very value oriented and it's completely different than kind of what you see in the industry. 99.99% of the industry. I mean, it's almost, you know, if you think about it, you go back far enough. Somebody brought stone tablets from the mountain top saying thou shalt charge X percent of salary. Like, 
Right. So it's it's kind of like, it, why do we do it this way? It doesn't make sense, right? Um, and from the recruiter perspective, too, they're doing all this work. And then at the end of the day, the client says, oh, never mind, we you know promoted someone internally. Well, they didn't get paid for any of their time. Um, I've got a bunch of letters behind my name that I intend to keep because I worked kind of hard to make all that happen. Um, and I bring a lot of experience and business acumen to the table. I want to be compensated for the value that I'm adding. So, you know, that's the other side of it is if I'm giving you advice, that's worth something. So, you know, we're going to have a mutual value transaction. And I love the the consultancy piece because, I mean, that's the the old and and by the way you use the word transaction but i i hear something different i'm hearing a lot of strategy a lot of relationship um but the traditional you know the recruiter it, it is i use the word icky but you used yucky i think we're gross, yucky, gross. Yeah. yeah you know we're, we're on the same page totally um, but the reality is you know i know a lot of recruiters who love churn you know, if, if your employee doesn't last more than six months, well, sure, I'll hire the next one for the, a fee. Um, wouldn't it be nice if instead you built relationships and instead of filling the same role over and over, which, by the way, at some point, I think there's an ethical question, um, instead of that saying, okay, how do we, you know, now that you've got the ace player in this role, what's next? And and I, I can tell already from talking to you that's how you approach it. It's, it's what's next, you know, and I, and I love you talking about the first position you fill and then, you know, leading to the next and the next, um, wouldn't the industry just be a little cleaner and smell a little nicer if everybody focused on the relationship with the employer. And the expediency first approach to hiring might be a right now work, but it doesn't work in the long term. Right. So we're very much like, okay, if someone calls and says, hey, we need a CFO tomorrow, I'm going to say no, because I can't do that for you tomorrow, because I'm not going to just go dig through resumes and send you over random humans and say, oh, well, hopefully some of these people are the right fit. I really want to understand your business. What are your problems now? What are your problems later? What problem are you trying to solve by making this hire? You should be able to answer that question. You have to be able to answer that question before you hire somebody. Right. Because that's why we hire employees is to solve business problems. If you don't know, let's figure that out together. Let's develop our marketing strategy and our sales pitch around how we're going to take this to market. And that takes time. And at the end of the day, we're going to find somebody that should stick for the long haul. Or if they don't, it's because business problems have changed, which which that happens. But on the whole, if if something is what we call falling off, where there's a lot of turnover, um, we're going to push pause and say, my firm will do an exit interview. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's look behind the hood and figure out where the gears are not grinding the right way before we just go plug something back into this and, you know, it fails again. Well, and that's a, a friend of mine used the analogy of a bucket. And if the bucket is leaking, you don't keep pouring water in. You stop and say, you know, what's causing these leaks? Mm -hmm. So on that, I'm going to, you know, get into the the mistakes that people are making. So when, when you work with an employer, what would you say are the top three mistakes? And maybe it's four, not just three, but what are the top mistakes they're making that is causing them extra pain and suffering that, you know, you wish they'd be able to fix on their own? Yes. Um, well, I don't wish they could fix it on their own because that's what I do. Um, so I wish that they would call me. Um, but I can help them with that. 
uh, it all comes down to lack of strategy. So that I think, you know, lack of strategy looks like I want someone right now and I'm not willing to invest the time in thinking about why just send me resumes right now. Um, and that goes to, I didn't write a good job description. I don't know what problem I'm trying to solve. I don't really know what I'm looking for. They all know it when I see it. Um, as an entrepreneur, I'm of course a big fan of build a parachute on the way down kind of approach to life. However, when it comes to hiring, we don't really want to do that by, you know, bringing people into the fold and not having clearly defined expectations, growth path. Candidates don't want that either. It makes you look like you're all, you know, you don't have your stuff together. So lack of upfront strategy and the I need it right now versus I need it for the long haul. You know, do you want a right now fit or do you want a for the long term fit? Um, that is the number one thing. And I think that that extends itself to a lot of other secondary complaints or mistakes that come up. So that would be my number one. Um, I mean, I think that extends to to follow up. On the candidate side, your, you know, your reputation is your currency, right? If people Google you and you have no reputation or it's in the dumps, that uh, transcends the currency of no matter what dollar amount is on an offer letter. Your reputation is your currency when you're recruiting. So not following up with candidates and letting them know, hey, we the role's filled or it's on hold or we've gone another direction or we really liked you, but whatever. Um, which again, if you have a good strategy, then you already have a plan for how you're going to make those follow-ups. So it goes back to strategy once again. <laughs> and and full disclosure, strategy is one of my favorite words. And and when when I ask you what are mistakes people are making, um, they can fix being tactical versus strategic is a choice. And I think hiring you is is the step in that direction. But the first thing they need to realize is that they need to be strategic. Yes, and I think people don't want to be because we all want an easy button and being strategic is hard. Um, and that goes back to, you know, if we want things other people don't want, we have to be doing willing to do things other people won't do. Well, it's hard to think about it upfront. It's hard to come up with a plan for how to interview versus just sort of rolling in there and sitting across the table or Zoom from someone and saying, so tell me about yourself and then just sort of seeing where it goes, right? Yeah. But then you're not going to get consistency or... Um, standardization or, you know, a lot of other things will potentially fall apart. So, you know, it's hard to do that. So we resist it. And um, if you work with my firm, we are going to, I don't want to say force it because that sounds, you know, we're going to help make sure that that happens um, in your best interest. I love it. And by the way, one of my favorite quotes is um, from a, a man named Jersey Gregoric. And he says, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. And I think, as you said, strategy seems hard today, but once you do the strategy, then the rest of your days is easy. Yes, I agree. I, what is that old phrase? A pound of, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Exactly. Something like that, right? <laughs> All of those sayings are around for a reason. Um, what, what do they call them? Dadisms? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've been told we have to be more um, politically correct. So now I think it's parental wisdom or something. But uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still use dadisms because I'm a dad. You know, it's my wife has her <laughs> thing. So I love it. Now, I there's a theme here. And I, I'm going to ask you a really hard question. And for my audience, this is not rehearsed. I haven't given Katie this in advance. Um, the last 
since COVID, I've been hearing over and over and over, um, I can't find good employees. And on the flip side, I hear equally, and I, I do mean equally, I can't find a good employer. So what do you think is the big disconnect out there? Is it, you know, I, I kind of feel like all of the employees are looking north, trying to find employers, and all the employers are looking south, trying to find employees. It's what's the big divide between the two, in your opinion? Yeah, great question. I think if you asked me one or the other, I'd give you a different answer. But if we're kind of comparing the two, um, I think the definition of what good is, is a little different for both of them, right? A candidate says a good employer has me work 30 hours a week from wherever I want, whenever I want with very little accountability and leaves me alone and has a great growth path, great benefits and really good compensation. Um, the, you know, and I get to work in my pajamas. For sure. Yeah. Pants, real pants, optional situation. Um, the employer side is saying there are no good people because they don't want to work for, you know, slightly under market. Yeah. We're going to get around to getting that 401k plan set up. We work in a horrible part of town and we have no flexibility whatsoever. And, you know, we have a bad reputation or none whatsoever. And I just can't understand why nobody wants to work for us. So, um, my answer is there are good people out there. Yes, they are hard to find. I'm not going to lie to you. It is still a candidate's market and it is difficult to find what you're looking for. And also, if we aren't investing in talent in our regions or in the world at large, now that we're so connected, we're not going to have the talent. You know, like I, I am an amazing hiring professional with a great team and a really good strategy, but I am not in the inventing humans business and I'm not in the unicorn trade. So if it doesn't, if you want something that doesn't exist, we're not going to be able to make it. I'm going to be real with you and say there are three people on the planet that have this skill set and they're making, you know, way more than what you're willing to pay. So what's your selling point? You know, so I think going back to that strategy and looking at introspection, what's your definition of good? You know, and and I think this will resonate with you, Jeff, the, the self-awareness play of like, if, if I have a team of C players, am I really ready to bring in an A? That person might last six months and then get frustrated. So what do I need to do to get my Cs to Bs and bring in some B players? So those are hard conversations, but they need to be had or you're going to have a recipe for fail. I, I love that. And I think that's, you know, everybody wants the, the personally, I don't want an A player, I'd rather have a bunch of really reliable Bs. Um, and, and obviously you have to have some Cs to, to, to farm them and nurture them and cultivate them. Um, what are the biggest changes you're, you're going to see or that you're dealing with right now in the recruiting space? Like what's, what's 2023 looking like um, more of the same from 2022? Um, I don't know. I mean, if I had, that crystal ball, I would be in the fortune telling business. Probably it would be way easier than the hiring landscape. Um, but, you know, it, it's a bloodbath. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, every client we talk to hears they're getting ghosted. People don't show up. You know, I will tell you this week and it's Wednesday at the time we're recording this. Um, I had on Monday a candidate text that had taken an offer and say, hey, I'm unfortunately I'm not going to come in now. I'm not starting Offer was already accepted. Yesterday had a candidate that was supposed to show up for an interview with another client. They no-showed, never returned our calls, never returned our texts, just didn't show up, ghosted us, you know, alien, another alien abduction. So <laughs> this is not unique to companies. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you go, oh, good, it's not just me. Yeah. Um, if it happens over and over and over again, there's something systemically wrong with 
something. So we can look at that and say, what's happening? You know, is it the wrong people? Is it the wrong salary? Is your opportunity not attractive? Are you not screening them properly? Something's broken. But even when things are working properly, it happens to us too. So imagine if that was your full-time job and you just took a beating every single day with the hiring market. Um, unfortunately, I feel like that's probably going to continue. I mean, we are TV characters on a computer screen more than we are shaking hands, hugging, touching, experiencing breaking bread in real life now with the world we live in. And it's easier to just ghost and disconnect. So, you know, how are we going to pivot and adapt or how are we just going to take our ball and go home and say, well, forget it. We're just not going to try anymore. Resiliency. And coming, I was going to say, coming back, it's kind of eerie. You, you are literally my third conversation today where it keeps coming back to resiliency. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to say resiliency feels like the word for 2023 because it's, it's about getting back up. And, and, you know, just because one ghosted you doesn't mean that you give up, you know, it's, it's how do you find that right person? And um, I think that's a, a deeper conversation for another day. Um, now, if somebody was to work with you, let's talk about that process. Um, I'm going to be really, really blunt. How does an employer know they're ready to come and work with a unique agency like yourself? Um, well, I mean, are we really ever ready? I don't have children, but you do. How do you know when you're ready for that? Right. You just do it. Um, <laughs> that, so I hear, right. I think it's about having those conversations. And I mean, usually we make change when something hurts so much that we need to do something different. So, um, that's usually when clients come to us is, Hey, I'm ramming my head against the wall. We can't find people. Um, pe you know, there's something broken in the process or, um, the ones we really love is, hey, we're ready to grow and I need more sophistication. I know that we just took on a client that's pretty small right now and he's going to have this explosive growth this year. He goes, I've added one person. It was a little rough, but I made it work. But I want to look top tier because I want to add 10 people this year and I want to make it awesome. Okay, cool. Let's architect you a strategy. Let's get everything lined up up front so you can boom get it done, just launch right out of Canon and be successful. And you're not kind of, you know, I'd rather work with you when you say, hey, I want to be proactive rather than when we have to kind of, you know, come back and clean things up and get you on the right track. But those are kind of the two things. Hey, I'm ready to, to do great things and I need some back end support the same way that you would hire an accountant or a lawyer or whatever your professional team is. It We have, do you do your own taxes? I am a recovering accountant. So yes, okay. I do. Okay. But... I am too, but I hire that out. Um, <laughs> do you represent yourself in court? How about that? No. <laughs> Bingo. So I'm trying to fight the good fight here that we don't represent ourselves in court. Most of us don't do our own taxes. I, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you later. Um, I'm a CPA and I don't, you know, we don't do those things, but we think, oh, well, I can do all my own hiring. Why wouldn't you bring in a level of expertise like you do with every other area of your business so you can focus on what you do really well. So I guess my short answer is, yes, if you're complaining, call me. Yes, if you want to get in front of it, call me. But if you have a highest and best use in your business that isn't recruiting, call me. I mean, your recruiter should not be your front desk admin because that person has a little bit of free time, right? It should be someone that understands strategy that can help you that can go right to the business owners or decision makers and help you make business growth happen. I, I love it. And um, 
you know, the, there's a lot of strategic conversations going around in my brain right now because that's the thing. If you're passionate about hiring people, odds are good that you run your own recruiting agency. But if it's something, you know, and, and I see this a lot and, and I love that you called it out, um, you know, it's delegated to the lowest person. You know, we give it to the janitor, but, he, you know, he's busy doing whatever he's doing. So we'll give it to the receptionist. Well, when I worked in the accounting space, they gave it to the articling students. You know, they got time on their hands. Mm -hmm. It's like, literally, I'm making the hiring decisions for the firm. Um, I don't even know what my job is, let alone how to find a good person to sit right. next to me. And start with a blueprint. We do a lot of work for construction. So I use this parallel a lot, but would you build a house without a blueprint? No, absolutely not. But we go into hiring without, you know, specs. It's like, what are we doing? This is not going to guarantee that something is going to be structurally sound if it doesn't even have a foundation, you know? Well, I, I think, uh, I can't remember who told me this quote, but I heard that the um, the uh, giraffe was a racehorse designed by a committee without a plan. There you go. Maybe Mike Tyson said that one too. <laughs> that might be another Tysonism. <laughs> Could be. The wise Mike Tyson. There's my prediction for, for the future. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have pegged him as a philosopher, but apparently he's he's got a couple of good ones. And well, it is an odd time to be a human, so you just don't put anything off the table. I love it. Well, I really do appreciate you hanging out with me. So before we wrap up, um, how can people reach out to you? How can they connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yes. The beauty of being a recruiter. I want people to contact me. So there's lots of ways. Uh, email is great. Katie, K-A-T-I-E at growthwisesearch.com. So growth, we're helping businesses grow wise, smarter search. Obviously that's what we do. Growthwisesearch.com. Uh, website, growthwisesearch.com. Uh, LinkedIn, as recruiters, we live and die by LinkedIn. So we are on there all the time. We're constantly posting job posts, uh, I love to post soapbox moments about things like that we're complaining about here today. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, hobbies, you know, wine, helping businesses grow and complaining about things. So you can find my rants on LinkedIn uh, constantly. And um, I'm usually complaining about hiring and the same things you're complaining about. So we can commiserate together. <laughs> I, I love it. And I'm just uh, having a moment of of picturing Katie indulging in, in the wine and then doing the rant and Oh, sure. I like it. I actually have a little YouTube series um, that we recorded earlier, late last year called um, Wreck-It Recruiter. It's all about how to mess up everything with hiring and human capital so you can complain about it. Ooh, so yeah, nice. there's, it's a little bit of an inside out satirical look of how to do everything wrong. Um, so those are kind of fun and you can find those um, through my LinkedIn page also. I love it. And I will put all of your contact details in the notes. Um, I think what I would say from my perspective is I can just having met you recently, very, very recently, um, I can definitely see your passion for this. And I love that you're disrupting the industry. Um, and I love the focus on strategy. So I want to thank you. Is there anything I should have asked you? You're the expert at being Katie. Uh, is there anything I should have asked no. you? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to tell my husband that later. And I'm going to say the great Mike Tyson said, no, wait, that was Jeff. Okay. Um, quote, quote Mike in case your husband's a big guy and likes to punch people. No, <laughs> But you're the expert at being Katie. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? You know, I think that's the hardest question that you've asked me. Um, no, I think that we covered it. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours about all of this stuff. And I guess I, I would extend that um, question to the audience that's listening that if there is a question that you haven't asked that you want to know the, you know, that they want to know the answer to that, call me. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It was a real pleasure getting to know you. And this is a tribute to the power of networking because a friend connected us. So thank you for your time today, Katie. Thank you.